But each one of these things comes from an egg, right? So who's laying these eggs? Looks like some sort of secreted resin. Yeah. But secreted from what? Nobody touch nothing. Welcome to The Hive, presented by Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, and Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Patrick Green, Christian Motzka, and guest co-host, David Gogol. Welcome, everybody. Yeah. I'm going to hand this off to either Christian or Patrick to break the news as to what we're talking about today. Christian, drag us all to hell. Let's go. Uh-huh. Let's <laughs> go. I mean, hopefully Press people... elevator. Let's go. Hopefully people have read the name of the episode that they're listening to, which is we're doing a, a 10 year retrospective of aliens, colonial Marines, the most beloved video game in the entire history of the alien franchise, right? No game is as talked about and loved as ACM. I would go one step further and say in the history of video games, I don't think mm. there's been a more be- universally regarded as high quality. <laughs> I've played hours of this game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're in beta already, and uh, we're polishing the game, improving it, iterating it, um, and getting it ready for launch. And man, what a what an exciting time! I mean, to be able to to work in the aliens fiction when there's something as important and inspirational as the aliens franchise. So many of us have been inspired by this, and we, and you can see things that we've all borrowed uh, in our games. None of that's true, right? This this no. is the game no. that. Um, I mean, where do you even begin? There were lawsuits. There were actual, um, were they successful, you guys? I mean, people were saying, you showed me this, I bought it, and that wasn't it, and I want money, right? That's that's what that was. Yeah, it was ultimately unsuccessful, yeah. but there was one major class action lawsuit filed by two gamers who felt so deceived by the E3 presentation in 2012. Um, and then when the subsequent game shipped a year later, what it actually arrived as, which we'll talk about tonight, they felt like it constituted like a breach of trust and false advertising. And Randy Pitchford, the guy who was behind Gearbox Studios, was actually personally the subject of a class action lawsuit, which is in itself, I think, an interesting moment in video game history because that's happened a couple of times. But uh, for a, like a licensed game like this from a, a really successful, I mean, Gearbox Studios is the studio behind Borderlands, which is like one of the biggest game franchises in the last 20 years. They had the rights to Duke Nukem. Like really big triple A. I mean, they didn't do a good job with those rights, but really big triple A things. And they were sued by gamers who had a real grudge because of false advertising and not delivering on the promises they made. So, yeah, you're absolutely right, Christian. We got to deliver our vision and we have to commit ourselves fully towards that. Once we've completed that, that's the best opportunity for us to think about what we might do next. And that could include DLC. It could include, who knows? We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Why did they sue? What were they deceived by? Trailers, the previews. There was, a, in, in particular, there was what was presented as, you know, I'm Randy Pitchford, I own the company, and this guy next to me is so-and-so, and he's playing the game live next to me as we talk about it. And it and yes, he was playing, but it wasn't an actual level from the game. There were elements of it that showed up in the final game, but what you see him doing, the atmospherics, the all of it, it was it was fake. They were run. First of all, they said they were playing it on. I think it was a PlayStation. When actually it was being PS3. Run, yeah, it was being run through uh, a, a a PC, an actual you know home computer the developer workstation. Yeah, yeah. Like the actual. I'm gonna companies. let Patrick <laughs> explain. No, sorry, yeah, sorry, no, 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 keep no, going, keep going. No, no, because you're the gaming guy. You tell us, but but I'm I'm right, right? Like they they presented a false narrative of what this game was. Now. Whether that was enough to justify, you know, I want I want reparations over this or something, but um, it was fake. It wasn't real. And just to jump in for a second on that, there is a long history of developers doing this, especially at yeah, a conference was... like E3, right? This is not the yep. first time that's happened. It's actually par for the course. You present a tech demo that shows aspects of the game 
And you usually have very clear language on that demo that says something to the effect of this is pre-alpha footage. Right. You know, this might not be what you actually get when this game comes out. Uh, there was none of that, but there was actually the opposite of that for this particular tech demonstration that they did. And Randy Pitchford, who's a really good pitch man, was consistently driving home the point, like Christian said, that this is the actual game. Like you can't, you can't even believe we're playing this on current gen hardware. It's going to look just like this when the game comes out. Meanwhile, Gearbox Studios was barely even touching this game at the time. It was being worked on by like seven different studios, none of whom were communicating with each other. So Gearbox didn't even know what the game looked like by that point. But Randy Pitchford very publicly sold it. And then in interview after interview, when he was being asked about things like the particle effects and the anti-aliasing and how like sophisticated the light design was, he'd be like, oh, yeah, that's the production level of the game that's coming out. We worked with Sid Mead. You know, we put all this thought into the level design. It's going to blow your mind with what. And also, you know, Fox was saying, oh, this is a new canon entry in the series. Everybody was doubling down on this idea. And then what shipped was so different from that. Did Fox ever say it? Pitchford repeatedly said, this is canon. Everything we're creating is now part of the lore. I, I don't know if Fox ever actually, they don't come out and say those sorts of things, but he was making it. I mean, he, he's a pitchman. He, he's a hype. He hypes his company yeah. to try to bring in the money, money, which they then spent on a different game. I'm going to look it up while we keep going. I'm, okay. I, I wanna, okay. I, wanna I have another it. question. I have another yeah. question then. So people are coming out and saying that this game is canon. So there's, which is retconning Alien Three? I, I guess sort Fox of. Came out and de- Fox came out and debunked that. They said, uh, "No, it's not." Really? They took it away. They took it away. What? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The game okay. is okay. so disgraced by <laughs> most of the fan base that Fox said, "You know what? Let's take our footprint, our claw print, away from this disaster of a release." They just said, "No, it's not. It's not." Yeah. I have another question, but it's about something that goes on in the game. But I'll oh, jump, get jump there. right in. Okay, okay. So, whose body was in the cryo tube on Fury One Six One? I didn't get Fucking to that point. Turk. In... Who's this Turk? guy that you don't know about until the downloadable content comes out? This oh. th- did you get to that at all, Jamie? To the no, DLC? I, I was watching. Oh, yes, I was God. watching some of that, but I didn't get through all of it. <laughs> oh, somebody else take that. I'm fat checking. <laughs> It's a retcon that needs a retcon because yeah. it isn't enough to shove a body into the thing. You've got to have the bandages. Like it just can we just start with you go on board the Sulaco and there's Bishop's legs, right? And they made a big deal. Isn't it great? There's Bishop's legs. The legs we saw fly out in the movie. They didn't watch the movie. And this keeps happening. They're like, oh, we, we were so specific. You know, the face hugger is right where it was when when they shoot it in the med lab, and it isn't. And it's like, why would you say these things? And the the, the shapes of the doorways, like it, it blows my mind when you're given visual references, like recreate this thing. And they're like, nah, <laughs> you know, nowhere close. Here, here's just a sci-fi hallway, sci-fi what, doorway. What made it worse was, was all the excitement, like all us gamers and alien fans couldn't wait. Like I pre-ordered the game. I took a, a day off, like I took a, a pay day off from work. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get this. I got the... I paid extra money for the collector's edition. Mind you, the collector's edition is the best part of this game. You're gonna get this cool statue of a of a of a marine fighting an alien in a power loader. I booted it up and I'm like, all right, let's do this. Had a beer ready, got some snacks, some popcorn. I'm like, all right, all right, let's 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 recreate aliens. Let's get this alien sequel. And you get an hour to win, and you. Everything just went even let just downhill. I'm like this, this isn't what I was showing at at E3 or in the magazine. This, this isn't what was advertised. I mean, you got catfished by a video game company. I'm like, what is this? It was Dave. The, 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 what was the first thing you hear? You put that disc in, it boots up, and what do you hear? Alien Resurrection. Yep. You use the Alien Resurrection yep. score. And I thought, yep. uh oh, oh no, yes, <laughs> yeah, not a good <laughs> start. God. And then the fucking the the, the, the aliens, the xenos are getting stuck in the wall, and they're just sitting there. I'm sitting there with my whatever my pulse rifle smart gun, just lazily going X. I'm like, I didn't think killing aliens could be boring. <laughs> I was wrong. It was just Jamie. Did you see the cutscene early on where they're trying to do? chest compressions on this marine because they you know trying to bring him back but they're yeah. he's still got his armor on <laughs> so uh, they're just no i yeah, didn't get to like, that oh come on it, it may have gone by really quickly i think that he chest bursts in soon after but like guys you know 
on some level, you have to put some thought into this thing. And across the board, no thought was put into this except, hey, that'd be cool. All right, we'll send that to this company and they'll work on it. You know what else would be cool? Great. We'll send it to a different company. And when it all came together, it's like, you know. And but the, the funny part, too, is the, the recreation of Headley's Hope actually wasn't too bad. And like there was a cool part, like with the, I think it was the Queen broke out, which was kind of fun. But it's like, where was this monicum of effort for the rest of the game? Like it was like it had a couple parts which were all right, this is what they're trying to do, but it just yes. didn't. It was that little hint, little smudge of 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 bringing the universe onto a, a your home TV. It just failed. It was just, I mean, it just came nowhere close to what was promised. And it so, was, what was the so then what was this when fandom was like oh my god what is this garbage what was this the studio not fox but like the the studio who made Gearbox. the game what were, yeah. what were they saying when people were like this is not the game you sold oh randy pitchford for months was out there defending this game but talking about well this is the process you know we, we put it out there as quick as we can and then we're, you know yeah we're going to take your feedback we're going to make improvements and just oh. kept but yeah, so so Dave Gogol for for uh, listeners is holding up the statue <laughs> that came. Best part the of the game, right? Now. Yeah, I fucking love that statue. Yeah, I have two awesome. of them. I took one awesome. of them apart just for fun. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the it's a, a marine and a power loader fighting an alien, which um, accounts for maybe two minutes of the actual <laughs> game. <laughs> you get like one chance to do that. Um, but now I want Patrick to walk us back because. The idea of Aliens, Colonial Marines, the video game, um, goes way back and and was cursed <laughs> for many years yes. before Gearbox really even touched it, right? Yeah, and so th- let's do that, and let's also let me let me get my fact checking hat on. Twentieth uh, Century Fox did actually publicly state that the plot was going to be canon, so they Ooh. did say that before the game okay. came out. But subsequently, like Google was saying, it has distanced itself, and that's why almost nothing from the game has shown up in any other expanded universe materials whatsoever there are some things that you can kind of trace to the game and mm-hmm. i'm sure we'll get to that kind of towards the end because it'd be fun to talk about the legacy of this piece of shit too i think at the end but before we get to that um let's talk about kind of like where it came from because that was a really interesting story i think and then i, I really want to go back to what dave was just talking about which is what it was like to play it for the, for the first time because it was really a an acid trip of an experience as somebody who was that excited about it but let's go back for a moment Where the hell are they, Brighton? Don't know. Could take us days to sift through this much data. And that just tells us who made it back to the cryotubes. Better off doing it the old-fashioned way, like we found the synthetic on the ship. You found the synthetic? We found half the synthetic, sir. Jesus. Mary, we had two civvies on that boat. Yes, sir. One, Ellen Ripley and Carter J. Burke. Ripley has the last two entries, both entering and exiting a cryotube. Did I mention the half we found was his legs? Well, somebody blew the atmospheric processor and had his whole private. Sir, due respect, we ain't getting anything else out of this computer. This basically dates back to uh, Gearbox Studios, who, again, is a AAA level developer who has been behind some really, really huge hits. Although at the time they started work on this in 2007, they hadn't really had a big breakout yet. That was going to come in 2009, and that actually ends up being part of the narrative of why this game's so fucked up, and I'll get to that in a second. But Gearbox Studios was thinking, you know, we really need to get into licensed content. That's kind of the next step that we need to go to. So they approached 20th Century Fox, in part because Randy Pitchford, I believe it was Randy Pitchford, had a meeting of some kind with Ridley Scott. So Ridley is somewhat at the at the very beginning of this whole story. Uh, and and Randy was like, you know, maybe this is the right fit. You know, the Alien franchise was kind of in a weird spot after the AVP films, you know, it was kind of sitting there floating around. There was isolation and development, um, you know, not not in 2007, but as this game was you know, being created. So things were, it felt like a good opportunity for Gearbox to get into licensed game. Um, something interesting with Gearbox Studios is that they have a long history of really getting stuck in development hell on titles they're involved with. 
the most uh, notorious of these examples is actually not Aliens Cloning of Marines. It's the Duke Nukem uh, 3D or whatever that game was that came out a few years ago, which was a travesty, but had been rumored to be in development for like literal decades. Like that's a game that I had been hearing about since, you know, I was like a, a middle schooler or something. Um, so like Gearbox Studios clearly has some issues with pipeline delivery and ways of working, right? So anyway, so so they started getting their ideas together to do this game, and they were talking to Sega, who at that point owned the rights to Alien, and that's why when you see you know, uh, Isolation boot up, you see the Sega logo. Like Sega owned the video game rights for quite a, quite some time before it reverted back, um, and Sega was like, you know, present us your ideas, and they brought that to Fox, and Fox was like, yeah, sure thing. So they came up with a couple of pitches for games, and one of them was for a first person shooter. So you have to put yourself back in the shoes of like early aughts video game design. The game that everybody was talking about was Call of Duty. The Call of Duty franchise was so dominant and it continues to this day to be an absolute juggernaut. But like this idea of very military first first person shooters was just all over the place. Multiplayer, co-op, um, FPS. So like that was the one that got greenlit for this. And it seemed like it had everything that it needed for success. You have a great developer who's backed by the studio, who's backed by the publisher, who, uh, you know, has been, they've all basically said, go with this FPS design. It'll sell like hotcakes. And it really seemed like it would. A few years go by and they're, you know, getting, kind of getting things rolling on this game. They come up with this other game called Borderlands, which comes out, I think, in 2009. Mm -hmm. And Borderlands was an instant iconic game like that was a game that was it broke the mold in terms of that era of console gaming it was a huge hit it was a runaway hit it was just oh, yeah. a smash right from the jump oh yeah and you see it the influence all over things and there was yeah. sequels to it and the, i mean they, actually gearbox just announced like a matter of weeks ago a whole number more sequels it's a huge franchise so that was so successful that uh whoever they made borderlands for i'm assuming that was also uh sony i think was behind that i don't know you can fact check that if you want anyway they ordered Borderlands 2 right away. So Gearbox was like, clearly we, we are on to like what our legacy product will be. Let's focus on Borderlands 2 and we can outsource this Aliens game to different studios, which you, you would think in a well-run system would make sense. People do that all the time. If you look at the credits of video games, you see three or four developers listed a lot of the time, right? The issue here is that Gearbox basically abdicated this title early on. And at a point where the story wasn't finalized, the story of this game wasn't actually finally written until shortly before it was published. They were still making narrative changes to the game up until basically three weeks before showtime, um, you know, which is no surprise if you played the fucking thing. Uh, anyway, so they they outsourced all this stuff. They outsourced the coding of a lot of really core game <laughs> mechanics. And what happened was when the when the code came back, it was so buggy and such a mess. And none of the elements were talking to each other. The assets weren't loading properly. It wasn't running well on the current gen systems. So Gearbox, you know, but after the E3 conference basically was like panicking and they for nine months did a crunch to try to make the game work. And that nine months basically went from a few months after the E3 conference where they had already developed an impossible game to people because the, the hardware was not in a place where it could have possibly come out like that. And then they had nine months to birth this fucking nightmare baby that ended up coming out with things that are so rudimentarily wrong that it would open with, for example, the Alien Resurrection soundtrack. And as Dave was mentioning, it would have errors in the code that would make it impossible for the actual enemies you're fighting to know where they exist in space. And that code, so that error broken. in the code, it was one letter and one line of code that existed until a yeah. fucking, you know, like game developer who was just playing and looking at the source code found it. It was one letter was wrong. And that one letter had made the game essentially unplayable. Um, anybody who's played it, especially the, you know, when it first came out knows that experience where it starts off kind of promising it starts off promising enough that you're like okay i think i'm gonna like this game right you get this distress signal you're sent to go investigate you go onto the sulaco you're in the hangar it feels real you see like the viscera of bishop you're like oh my god this is this is this this could be a really immersive game and then you kind of like look around a little more and you notice how off the dimensions of the hangar bay are and you notice how strange some of the liveries look and you're like okay this is this is weird maybe it's like a stylistic choice we'll kind of stick with it and then you end up you know, the first encounter that you have with a creature almost across the board, you you wonder why the fuck it's acting the way that it's acting. And it's acting the way it's acting because it's artificial intelligence wasn't properly coded and it couldn't function properly. And so then you have to get through this whole game that, you know, after that initial Sulaco encounter basically goes downhill narratively. 
And you have to do it in the context of a broken gaming system. So it's an incredibly unrewarding experience. And then you go through fucking four releases of downloadable content that are all yeah. terrible. And that end yeah. with this one that just gives you the some of the biggest canonical stinkers I can think of. <laughs> and it's still broken. So it's a it's part of the issue with the game. Um, but how did how did I do? Was there did I miss anything? No, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Captivating. I was captivated the whole time. It was good. <laughs> that's that's what <laughs> I aimed for, Dave. I appreciate that. That was good. <laughs> Funny things happened. Like they're saying, oh, we use the actual blueprints from the set of aliens to recreate these sets. So what that means is they only built half the hangar bay because the other half was was augmented with a model. So there's only it's it's this little square room with, with one drop ship. You're like, that doesn't feel right. And you go into where the um uh the cryotubes are, and they only put the number of cryotubes that were physically built. And they forget that there's supposed to be a mirror that then doubles them. So like someone was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get it exactly right. But then they didn't watch the movie. <laughs> and I, and I, I keep going back to that. So many things, either they didn't rewatch the movie or for expediency's sake, like, okay, we're going to ignore this thing. When you first go on the Sulaku, you're like, all right, all right, this is feeling pretty cool. I'm, I'm seeing some, some, because uh, Sid Mead was involved. They, right. They, they got Sid Mead to do a, a little bit of set design for them. So I'm, I'm excited about what we're going to see. And then I pass a window. A window? There's no windows on the Sulaco. The whole exterior of the ship is all hull plating. And the further you go and the more um, staircases and gantries and ladders and all these things, it's impossibly big. This is just, it, it's a complete maze of reactor rooms and, and long corridors and all these things that make no, it's, it's a TARDIS. It makes no sense for the actual shape of the ship. And then when you get down to the planet, there's Hadley's Hope. A few broken windows, you know, a little bit of damage here and there, but it's certainly not what Bishop described, saying that there'd be a nuclear explosion the size of Nebraska. It's like, yeah, it got shaken up a little bit. And there are a million aliens on a planet that had 158 colonists, right? There's, there's, and, 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 um, Randy Pitchford. Oh, well, the planet is porous. And so there are multiple queens further down in the planet, was his answer for this. Like, where are they coming from? Who are the hosts for these things? And you have a million of these uh, completely random William Yutani mercenaries who all wear a balaclava and a baseball cap, which is a really good look. Anyway, God, I forgot about all this stuff. And you have to slog through killing all of these way you. They, they're the ones that coined the term way you for William Yutani. You have to kill about a thousand of these guys before <clears throat> you get back to killing aliens again. And there's no reward to it. It's because it doesn't make sense for them to be there. Why is there a troll in your dungeon in Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah. He's just standing there waiting for you to open that door and kill him. And that's exactly what these guys are doing. But you know why they're there, right? Why are they that there? Was, that was an instruction from Sega to make it more like Call of Duty. So oh, they Jesus said more human enemies. Oh my fight. God, really? So they literally just copy pasted oh human enemies into random encounters, which is, Jesus. and that's why they all wear the same fucking balaclava. Like it's just, oh it's just a, a couple of character models that are copy pasted that are just, and that's why there's no reward to it. You know? Jeez. I forgot. I'm subconscious, <laughs> I guess, black it out how inaccurate all <laughs> the game was. I was like, Jesus, I mean, just not good. And what's funny is I remember even seeing in the, I think it was the trailers or the art, like the, this cool thing with the, like the bull or the rhino alien it looked like it'd be this cool encounter. And then you get to it in the game and it was just, well, at least fire team elite did it right. But it was just so dull and boring. Like they had a couple cool ideas for these Xeno offshoots, but it was just, wasted in this terribly put together diarrhea of a game because they don't know where they are so like when you have no. all these exploding aliens that seem cool right yeah. and then they just come out in a group of three that walk in the exact yeah. same animation yeah. go yeah. into a team yeah. pose and then blow yeah. up in the middle of a room <laughs> like what the you ship the game with that yeah speaking of poorly put together games um cyberpunk uh, well that they they cyberpunk is amazing now but cyberpunk was released like shit and now it's yeah. you don't think you could shine shit cyberpunk 2077 is one of my favorite games now i can't wait for the um dlc it's awesome i mean really really good now but um you know sports games used to be a huge huge thing and um there was ea did nba live and nba did 2k it was this huge war 
And 2K took this huge lead. NBA EA was trying to come back. And they released this full game, this demo. And there was this infamous thing. You could Google NBA Live T. This fucking guy in the middle of the court, in the middle of the game, just doing this with his hands up in a completely finished game. It's like, what are you doing? You guys are getting paid all this money. Release, test your game. And then to see it in an alien game, I'm like, oh my God, guys, come on. And again, anytime you see a T-pose in a game like that, it, it's it's the exact same era that we're talking about where somebody coded the character wrong because the T-pose is what they designed so the character in when they're drawing it. So like, yeah. so what it's saying is there's no there's no instructions for the character yeah. for where it should be in yeah. space and what it should be doing. God. So it's just a character model. That's so stupid. Terrible. Okay, so my question is about the the intentions of the game. I don't know if you guys know this, if there's an answer to this question. Because Fox was signing off on this, was this intent? Was this a game to launch, like, to retcon Alien Three so that they could restart the series again? Like, I'm curious why they decided to go with Hicks and retconning everything, and not just an original character. That okay, so, and everyone could probably stomach that Hadley's Hope or LV four two six wasn't as blown up as it as it was. Okay, we can probably get past that for a good game. Oh, but why not send in new characters there? Why did they have to bring Hicks and Bishop back? What was the point of that? Well, it's a resurrection. I mean, it really is. I mean, it, what I saw tonight, that's cool. I mean, it's, in, it's almost in 3D. Randy Pitchford said he felt that Alien 3 was more of a sequel to Alien, and so he wanted to make a game that felt more like a sequel to Aliens. And if that was his intention, I think that it doesn't exactly succeed, but it 100% is, is clearly aiming for that. We want, how many times does a character say, oorah to ashes, which is something that no Marine in the actual film says, but they, they got it in their heads that that's what they should say over and over again. Anyway, it's that kind of, you know, testosterone and pulse rifles. And once you're high on that vibe, Let's bring Hicks back. We can get Michael Bean. He's agreed to do it. He's signed off. They approached Sigourney Weaver. And Sigourney Weaver said, oh, no, I don't want anything to do with that. Which she had done for other things as well. But I think that they were a little bit mad or high on, on that power of we're getting to do whatever we want. So why don't we bring Hicks back? It'll make the fans super happy. Because clearly they didn't care for Alien 3. They, they were of the camp that was like, what if we could redo it? And I, I said earlier in our chat, I wish they had brought Hudson back. You know, Bill Paxson was alive at the time. He was clearly enthusiastic. There's a great photo of him in their life-size power loader fighting the alien, just like the statue that Dave Gogol has. And that character is, it's so much less problematic to bring Hudson back because of the way that his death plays out than to do the Hicks thing. But they, I think they clearly wanted to undercut Alien 3 as a, as a way of, like I said, making this the sequel to Aliens that they thought Aliens fans wanted. So that's my answer. Um, I, I don't believe they were setting up a larger narrative. I think they may have thought they were opening the door for a larger narrative because Blomkamp came right after this, right? Yeah, uh, because I, I asked this question because if Fox is signing off on a on a retcon initially, that means they have their gears are turning for something else. They're trying to like, well, how do we get back to this fan base? How do we get back to this this moment in this series that was that everyone loved? Um, and then, of course, they pulled back on that. But yeah, it's just it's one of my lingering. And I, I don't think I got I don't think I got to a point w when I was watching the material that I was watching, like a Ripley and Newt alive still like what's OK. So they are dead. OK, they're still okay. dead. Hicks just made it out for whatever reason. For paycheck <laughs> reasons. <laughs> so I came into fandom through colonial marine costuming groups, right, especially uh, the Aliens Legacy group. And this game was for us. This was colonial Marines. And yeah. at a time where we hadn't really gotten that, the, the alien versus predator games are always set a little further in the future, a little more advanced and gearbox reached out to us. So I'm in the game. I'm an NPC on LV four, two, six. At a certain point you, you run into some other Marines and one of them has Motska written right above his head. And he has my, not my face, but he has the graffiti that's right on the suit of armor behind me, they reached out to a whole bunch of us and said, hey, we really like what you're doing. Can we put you in the game? In fact, there are three Marines that you run into, a smart gunner and two others, that they actually scanned the, the fans' faces and used their likeness and their names, and they flew them all over the place 
to to support this game. They they were in costume, you know, at at conventions and and expos and all kinds of things. And so that group of fans went hard for this game until the day it released. It was really hard to be like, wow, this thing that we have been so excited for and pushing for just completely undercut what what it was supposed to be. However, I still have a soft spot in my heart for this game because of the enthusiasm. Jamie, you talk about how much you love the lead up to a movie's release. I loved the lead up to the release of this game. I loved the camaraderie. I loved seeing people, you know, uh, all over the world, people I knew that, that were costumers going to the game stores on release day in full, in full kit to be there to support this game being released. I don't know. That sticks with me. And the other thing I just will say, since I'm, I'm talking about nostalgia, my, my oldest son, again, I'm bad at video games. I am bad. So I, I had children to raise them to play the video games for me. So <laughs> I played so much Aliens Colonial Marines with my oldest son when he was pretty young, probably too young to be playing it. And I specifically remember this one place in Hadley's Hope. He got ahead of me and he welded the door shut as the, I think it's called the Raven, this gigantic alien was bearing down on me. And, you know, it was a, a fantastic bonding moment of like, you son of a bitch. You, <laughs> you just completely screwed me over for, the, for shits and giggles. And so my, my constant complaint with video games is the, the NPC saying the same lines over and over again. But we had fun with it because the big guy with the smart gun keeps saying something about these fucking aliens, these fucking aliens. And, and you know, he was at a young enough age that we weren't really showing him things that had square words, but we bonded over that too. So what is NPC again? Uh, non-player character. Okay. The, um, and, and this game has the worst non-player characters because they're coded so poorly. They don't, they don't provide cover. <laughs> you know, <they're> just, <laughs> they often just turn in circles for some reason. Yeah. It's like that meme That's... that you keep sharing that Jeff Patrick of the, from the digital, the digital the uh, isolation film. digital series. Yeah. It's like, they just don't know where they are. <laughs> I, I think just to, to go back to, I, I think this will be fun to talk about for a moment too. Cause, because Dave and I had a, a pretty similar story going off of what he was saying before I took the day off work for this. This was something that yeah. I was looking forward to for was, many years. Yes. Yes. Cause and, they, they've been trying to, to capture that feel of, being a Marine so many times and it just goes to show you how, well, Aliens, it seems like the simple movie, you try to replicate it and it's just not that easy. I'm like, all right, this game's going to fucking do it. Yeah. But it's but, but yeah. the AVP games had shown us glimpses of that, right? Because yeah. there have been yes. good AVP games and we had one just yes. two years before this came out that I still think is fantastic. I AVP love the AVP 2010. I love that game. A great I game. that game. So for me, I was like, oh, great. So now we're going to yeah. build on the success of that. And we're going to do just yeah. Colonial Marines. They got Sid Mead involved. This is Gearbox. Yeah. Like, they're awesome. Yeah. Like, this is going to be so I'm like, oh, Gearbox is doing it. Let's fucking go. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I took the day off and everything. And and I remember Micah was pregnant with Jude at the time. This, this is how long ago this was. Now, it's been 10 years. It's crazy. It's about to be 10 in five, six days. Um, And uh, it came out in February. I remember that year. And it was this whole like event and like my friends all bought it and we all like played it at the same, like we, I remember my buddy Drew, who's been on some of our shows in the past, like, you know, he took the day off too. And we were like talking about it. We're like, are you ready to boot it up? And it was like, and I just remember the Sulaco being small that I remember the hangar bay being small and being like, what? Like it was so jarring. And I was trying really hard to like get past how off the geometry was. Which is funny. I didn't know about the blueprint thing, Christian. I, I was like laughing so hard. I almost went off camera during that because that's yeah. exactly what it looks like. It looks yeah. like they just made the half of the room that wasn't mirrored by the other half. And and it's like from that point forward, it was just this exercise in like, what the fuck happened to this to this game? And and I did not enjoy it very much other than the fact, and the Christian also alluded to this, that it has cooperative multiplayer in it. And that's something that still to this day, like we always ask for it and we never get it in any games. Yeah. We all thought Fireteam Elite was going to have that and then it didn't. You know, I was yeah. really hoping Dark Descent would have a way to do that. And that has not had any way to do multiplayer yep. at all. Um, but this game has cooperative multiplayer, so it's a game you can play with your kids if you hate them. You know, if you want to show show them a bad time, <laughs> right? Um, and I have I played it with our kids, and and they laugh about it because it's still it's still just such a mess, and it just hasn't aged well. That's the other thing too. So 
Christian, you mentioned in our chat thread, um, you know, Alien Isolation, of course, came out a matter of months after this game, right? This it came out probably 14 months or so later. Yeah. Yeah. Alien Isolation, I just beat it again this weekend. <laughs> like that is a game, as we've talked about many times, to just have never stopped playing. It's still no. there were still moments in this last playthrough where like my wife and I looked at each other and we're like, how the fuck is this even a video game? It's so beautiful. Like it's so it's real. gorgeous. Go to, go Everything is meticulous. Everything and like you just turn degrees. So much care, care right? Yeah. Love so, and you want you want to screenshot everything and and yeah. Isolation has been an influence on novels, video games, and now movies. Yeah. We we yeah. definitively, you know, the one image we have from Romulus, fucking there's the save station right on the wall. Yeah. Colonial Marines has been an influence on how to make like we oh that is the the, the lowest we can sink oh that's good to know <laughs> let's go up let's go up one last thing about uh colonial marines though that we, we can't forget you're talking about cooperative they sunk more time into making the online cooperative aspect of this right remember this you and your friends can play you can play as aliens you can do all this stuff and then almost immediately they stopped supporting it so within six yeah. months no one was playing the online version of the game that you weren't in you know any of those levels it was all like player versus player um you could you could get different skins you could do all this this crazy modification stuff um and then they just stopped supporting it so because if that had been successful that absolutely would have saved the game i think i never oh yeah but like that people being able to go and do that that could have gone for years but they didn't support it Uh, and i'm not a big online gamer i mean i put Hours into Fire Team Elite. It's a shame, like you said, Patrick, there was no couch co-op for it. I remember we talked I, about that, Dave. Remember we were like, oh, yeah. we're gonna like boot this up and play together, and it couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. But um it was or at least now it's um it's they made a multi-platform. Like I haven't played it in months, but I played like it got to the point where I was playing with someone almost once a week. I was playing on playing my friends on Xbox. I mean, I have it on every fucking system. Um, and I'm like, all right, and like you said, the few couple months I played of Colonial Marines Online, I'm like, this is fun. And then they said, eh, you know what? Never mind. Team Elite and Dark Descent are the descendants of Alien, yeah. Aliens Colonial Marines. And they take two different paths, but yeah. they both show that influence because certain certain creatures or certain weapons actually show up in those later games. Yeah. As you know, this is a good thing from that. So let's let's keep it. But Jamie, you had a question. Yeah. Yeah. So my next question would be the game is rolled out. People are like, what were you guys going on to like social media or, or like, for instance, the AVP forums looking to see what people were saying? What was that like? Scorched Earth is what it was, what it was like. I got to correct. I, Dave and I, Dave and I have played, we, we played Fireteam Elite together. I was talking about Dark Descent. You're right. Yeah, I get these. Yeah, yeah I, I know what you meant. It's okay. But that was, that was fun, right? It no, I, I, so when I'm always down to play, by the way. Yeah, I'm doing, I'll hit you up tonight. We'll play this game more. <laughs> I, I think, uh, but not, well, we're not going to play Clone Marines like that. So no, no, when no. the game came out, you know, internet fandom was in a very different place. We were transitioning into the post, you know, forum era into like the early kind of like Facebook groups time um it was right around obviously the time prometheus came out too so we all were at a front row seat to that shit show of a not of a movie but uh well maybe of a movie but of a release cycle where it was like people for the first time were able to come together and bitch at each other about something in the way that we do about everything now and colonial marines was like a really for me early glimpse into how toxic that would get but also a really nice, I, I think, and I'll hand this over in a second because I'm already going off topic, but I think had isolation not come out, I feel like we would feel differently about Colonial Marines. Not like it was good. I, I think that I think that that tomb was sealed when that piece of shit came out. What I mean, though, is that like we I, there's not a lot of active animosity towards it now, in my experience, like we kind of laugh about it a lot. Right? Yeah, it's just, when the game yeah. came out. When it came out, I wasn't laughing about this at all. I was mad. Like, I was really mad about this game when it came out. Yeah. But then but then Isolation came out, and I was like, oh, that's literally the best game I've ever played in my life, and it's an alien game. Like, you know, and, and so I just kind of moved on from it really quickly. And I think Phantom did also. And I think Colonial Marines, partly because of what Christian mentioned, in that the, the PvP was unsupported, and, like, they didn't update it. They didn't do any lobby curating. It just sort of died off. Um, 
I think the game just kind of like, I mean, I, I would bet at any given point in time, there's two people on planet Earth playing Colonial Marines. If that. like, that's probably like the most people at once that are playing this game. Whereas a game like Isolation is being played probably by literally hundreds, if not thousands of people yeah. at any given time, you know? So it's just, it's an interesting, it, it's, it's weird. It kind of sits as this little like anchor point where fandom was just kind of moving towards the direction that you're talking about. And um, and I can say as somebody who was active in forums, especially at that point, that uh, it was unanimously angry. It was it was a very, very angry place to be, because that's what I remember, even though I don't I mean, obviously, as everyone knows, I'm not a gamer and I wasn't following along with any of this stuff. But I do remember years and years ago. I don't know what forum I was on. It might have even been the AVP forums, people writing and they were just so angry about it, like. And I remember thinking, why are they so angry about this game? And I just remember reading over like how people felt betrayed by it. Like, and it was a little shocking to me, but again, I wasn't, so I was like, oh, okay, whatever. I just thought that was interesting to be that angry at a game. But as you guys have said before, there was a lawsuit. Um, yeah. They, were sued, they sued the the creators because they felt so duped uh, by the game. But how did that turn out? Do you guys know? It didn't go through. The, okay. They weren't successful. Patrick brought up a really important point. This is also a year after Prometheus, which was incredibly divisive. And there's a point in the game where you go into the derelict, right? And you see the space jockey. And if you shoot the space jockey's head with your pulse rifle, a an engineer style hologram appears. Yeah, showing, it fucking glows. Yeah. Yep. Showing, you know, the, the horseshoe shaped derelict ship. And the, the flying saucer ship from the very beginning of Prometheus and the flying saucer shoots the, the derelict down and it crashes on the planet. And we're all like, what the fuck? Because I'm sorry, Dave Gogol. I know that you love this movie, but Aliens fans, Colonial Marine fans were not excited for Prometheus. They didn't like the direction that, that things were headed in, partially because of the technology. It wasn't about the story as much as it was just this film is an anachronism. You know, we like the used future low tech style. And so and, and there was already this creep. There was a sense of, is Prometheus going to touch every fucking thing that I love about this franchise? Because and, and, and I'm still a little angry about that because there was a sense of, can we please have a separation? You can have your Prometheus stuff, but why does that have to inform everything new that comes out? Because right around then was when we were getting the um, that ridiculous, I love and hate this novel, the... Um, the one where, where Ripley wakes up halfway through her trip. Oh, God, yeah. Has an adventure. Uh, <laughs> the River of Pain. Um, uh, not Seed Sorrows, not Ripley, Into the Shadows. Into the Shadows. So into, the shadows. into the Shadows. Right. Yeah, uh, Tim Levin, right? Yeah. It is half a good novel. And then there's this, yep. you know, why Ripley? Why are we doing yeah. this? And then it, and, and it gets a little bit of Prometheus stuff mixed in as well. But anyway, but so I've just shot the the um the 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 space jockey's head with my pulse rifle because i was told to by someone i did not think to do that on my own and i'm given this this weird little i don't know little slice of prometheus to explain why the the space jockey was there and just shaking my head at it it was a time when we were all really struggling because we couldn't agree on what we wanted and we weren't liking what we were getting and for me personally it bled over into alien isolation and I, I've said this before, but I'm just going to really quick. I was so fucking skeptical of Alien Isolation. So that when, when they showed the images of, look, you can play as a Nostromo crew. And they'd gotten the uniforms wrong. And I was like, how do you get the uniforms wrong? You're, you're literally looking at a photograph. Why, if you're looking at a photograph, are you adding patches and moving things around? It blew my mind and it made me so angry. I wrote the game off. I didn't play Isolation when it first came out because I was so angry. But it was it was based on the anger over aliens, colonial marines being such a, a would you call it a catfish earlier, Dave? Yeah, I call it catfish. Yeah, yeah, we got catfish. <laughs> Dude, that's a perfect way to put it. So, all is forgiven. Isolation, I swear. Yeah, but I, I I wasn't even active in the forums then, so I can't even. I was even even or close to an online alien community, so I just I just read stuff. I think in 
magazines, maybe a couple of my friends, but I was completely oblivious to to all this. This is all all new to me. But what? But to not to digress, but it's what we do. But with the Prometheus stuff, I'm with you because obviously I love the movie, but. And one of Ridley's 800 ideas he had for it. I love the idea of Prometheus doing its own little, what he called a side quill or whatever they called it. Do your own little Prometheus storyline and then do everything else. Keep them separate. You could, it works because Alien Universe is huge despite what it doesn't feel like it always seems to get the same fucking stories. But um, keep them separate. There's no reason you can't do it instead of doing this forced prequel shit. But, um, I think they kept separate. I think storyline wise, it would have everyone it wouldn't be as divisive and you'd have a lot more tools to use, in my opinion at least. Um but I'm I'm definitely with you there. But yeah, Fire Team just also kind of helped heal the pain of Colonial Marines as well. But um I'm kind of oh, sad I'm not a I, gamer. Yeah. Like I wish I, I wish I could get into it because this yeah. it sounds so much like so much fun. Like I want to play, but I mean, that means I have to buy a whole like system and everything. Yeah. Oh, I bought an Xbox. I bought my Xbox to play Aliens Colonial Marines. That's because I'm not oh. a gamer. It's like, oh my yeah. God, I have to have this so that I can play the game. <sighs> um, so I, I'm not, Fireteam Elite is not the game for me, but I 100% respect that it is the game for a lot of people. And vice versa, Dark Descent is the game for me. Dark Descent finally captures the missing ingredients from aliens that the previous attempts just didn't quite get. But I kind of think that you need the two, the two different approaches to get at what made colonial Marines and aliens good. And right. And honestly that uh, AVP 2010 also <laughs> does a pretty good job with the colonial Marines. Uh, that, that's, but that's the beauty of the, all the alien shit is there's different ways you could go about because I mean, dark, I'm for me, Chris, it's the opposite. I tried dark descent. It's really cool, but I'm like, this This is not for me. It's a good game. I might, I'll probably eventually go back to it, but it's just not for me. But you have, you know, you have the, or, you know, you have the real-time strategy where you could do your resources, build up your guys, and then you have the action of Fire Team Elite. It's so diverse in what you could do with it. It's It's cool. Even though those are two games that on the outside seem like they should be really similar, right? Like they're both you yeah. know, marine exploration yeah. games that are, you know, yeah. squatty and you're fighting with other people and, you know, yeah. attacking waves of aliens. But they're but yeah, in execution, they're completely different. And I agree with both yeah. of what you're saying, which is that like it's a huge tent, right? One of the great gifts that we have by having the two seminal movies be so different from one another is that we have like two easy paths to follow right you can have the isolation enclosed horror or you can have the colonial marines and like watch war games happen with with aliens which is really exciting too um and i think i want to circle back for one moment kind of as we come closer to the end here about the legacy of colonial marines and what it taught me personally because i think that it it came out at an instructive point in my fan experience um but there was another point in there that i wanted to talk about that i'm not gonna it's gonna come to me in the middle of this and i'm gonna derail myself to talk about it so just that's a heads up you don't have to edit that out <laughs> it's okay it's a spoiler <laughs> warning um there's <clears throat> gonna be a jump scare so um colonial marines came out of course like on the heels of prometheus when i felt very disconnected from the franchise because i i did not and still unfortunately don't like prometheus that much although i like things that are within it I'm, i've never been like a big prometheus guy uh, I also, you know, this game, it was first announced when I was in college still, you know, and then it was released when I was about to get married. Like this is, you know, this is, this is a long time ago at this point. And so I, my, my attention was kind of elsewhere. I was still participating in forums. I was still like an alien, obviously fan. I had my shit all over the place, but like, I wasn't like super engaged at this point in time. And, uh, a lot of that was because the AVP movies I had felt so just like this was just not what I was looking for. It didn't feel like it really spoke to the fan in me that loved the comics so much and things. And then you had uh, Prometheus came out, which which I just did not know what to do with. And I really wanted to like and I, and I just didn't. So when Colonial Marines was announced, I was kind of like this could be the antidote a little bit like this. This could be the corrective that could kind of get us back on track here because I want 
colonial marines too like that's awesome you know although i'm quote unquote an alien person like i fucking love aliens and i would love to just have that experience and to feel more connected with my inner fan again so that's when i got like my shell casings from the pulse rifle out and put them on the shelf again and that's when i got all my like aliens memorabilia out and my japanese poster that's hanging up you know like i i got back in kind of aliens mode for the release of this game and when it came out it was so bad i had a little bit of a wake-up call about what my priorities are as a fan um and I think it set me up for the contentious relationship that I had with the Blomkamp stuff in a very direct way. And later for how how much I've defended Covenant. And, and that's this might be kind of loading a lot into this idea. But I think when I saw the, the Blomkamp promotional art came, come out, I started getting this feeling of like, this is we are falling into the same trap. I have to say, having done about 12 hours of Blomkamp episodes now with all of you, like this, you know, I, I I feel slightly differently about it. But at the time, I was really fixated on like, oh, there's a dropship, there's a hangar bay, there's pulse rifles, there's all these trappings of the second film that felt to me like a, a, like a dog whistle a bit for, um, you know, fan service. And I was kind of like, oh, fuck, like, I feel like we're going to get Colonial Marines the movie. Um Knowing more about the script now, I think it would have been stranger than that, but I think in terms of quality, kind of similar to it. So like, who knows what that would have been like, but I think I received all the Blomkamp stuff in the vein of like, I don't want to go through Colonial Marines again. Like, I don't want to get more of this shit. I don't want to just be, you know, dumbed down to. Um, and then when Covenant came out, I think part of why I loved and still love it, even though I see so many incredibly flaws with it, I think is because it felt to me like a much truer expression of the things in Alien that mean a lot to me personally. And it felt like it was, uh, although it had fan service in it, and we've talked ad nauseum about that, the parts in it that I love are not. Like the parts in it that I love in Covenant are very new and very different. And those are the things that speak to me. And I think it informs a lot of what I look for in media now. Part of why I think Fireteam Elite and Dark Descent work so well for me as a fan is because in addition to just being really fun games to play, like they both try new things out with, you know, the canon and they do it in a way that feels respectful, but also kind of interesting and challenging. Um, you know, as we talked about Dark Descent in some ways invalidates the prequels, but maybe in some ways doesn't it, but it plays, it plays with respect, I think, with some of the conventions of these things. I also want to say I'm in total agreement with both Christian and Dave, and and I think probably Jamie too, although he hasn't talked about it yet, that we should separate these things. Like I, I do not want an Andor to Rogue One to uh, you know Episode Four, everything connects all together, you know, treatment for the Alien Saga. Like I don't want that. I don't want to shoot an engineer head and have a diagram of exactly what happened come out. Which, by the way, what a fucking fitting metaphor for this game is it that if you shoot the engineer. The spit not sorry, it's the engineer, the fucking space jockey. Let's call it what it is. If you shoot the space jockey in its head, you, I mean, it's you can't make a better metaphor than that, right? Um, and that's like it just it's just it's so infuriating, and, and I agree with that 100%. So, I guess this conversation tonight has helped me to learn a little bit about maybe where I was emotionally as a fan when this came out, and then when Blonde Camp happened, and then when Covenant came out, and maybe some of the reasons why. I, I f have the opinions that I have now. It's crazy because now I've been on the show for what, like seven years. And, you know, I've recorded hundreds and hundreds and if not thousands of hours of conversation about these movies. And a lot of those hours of conversation have probably been influenced somewhat by me being pissed off about colonial Marines and not wanting to see that happen again. And um, I think that the game in terms of canon and in terms of the expanded universe has had a really short shadow and has not influenced it very much. But in terms of my personal fan experience, I think it was actually kind of a big deal and a much bigger deal than I remember. Can I just point out, it just occurred to me as you were talking, Prometheus is a retcon. Aliens Colonial Marines is a retcon. Alien Isolation is a retcon. Alien in, Out of the Shadows is a retcon. Alien uh, River of Pain is a, is a retcon. And Alien Sea of, Sorrows sea of Sorrows is a retcon. And finally, Blomkamp, Alien 5, a fucking retcon. There was a point where every single thing we got was saying, no, 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 you didn't get it right. Here's the true story. And it was always a letdown except for Alien Isolation. But the whole thing of Amanda Ripley having a whole experience with aliens, that's a huge retcon. It's a huge, or it's a huge new addition that we have to swallow. So that was this weird period where nothing was new so much as it was taking something you knew and trying to shove a new story into it. Like, River of Pain. Here's a whole bunch of colonial marines on LV-426. Never talked about in the movie, never represented in the movie, but you know, you want colonial marines, right? Here they are, right in this novel. 
it was hard. It was a really hard time to be a fan. It was a hard time to accept that the thing you loved was, was going to be kept safe or because the Fox kept saying, here's the new thing. And they're like, I don't want that new thing. That's not a flavor I like. So me and Prater and you and I talk about this ad nauseum on either chats or the, the old PO recordings is for fuck's sake, just give us something new. You can keep the ideas from there's plenty of little nuggets you could take from whether it's the any of the alien movies or prequels, little hints. Just give us stop trying to stuff everything into the same fucking timeline. Yeah. Sure. That's what studios do. Yeah, I know, but it's I know we've discussed this. Yeah, yeah. more times we could count, and it's just frustrating. There's there's so much to explore. You could do between Alien Three and Alien Resurrection. No one ever fucking does. There's there's so much fun to have there. Ripley's dead, so you don't have to worry about giving yourself the umbilical cord to Ripley. Other than hints of oh, I remember you know Ripley, blah blah blah, encountering these fucking things. And you have so much stuff to explore. All right, Ripley's dead. Okay, now what? What's up with the creatures? Not everything between Alien and Aliens or Aliens and Alien 3. It's been done so many times. I wish I mean, that the, Prometheus was a sequel to Alien 3. I wish that was where you know, that was put. It's funny you said that because back when I was hardcore writing, one of my favorite things to discuss was that I that I thought, I'm like, these the Prometheus would have worked better as a sequel. I think it was one of my favorite episodes to to record and write about. I thought the the way the technology was, which pissed you off, which understandably did. So as much as I love the movie, when it started, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Why is everything so shiny? What? Huh? You know, it makes sense in the story because it's the fancy ship. But you put that as a sequel, tweak some things, and you know what? Not too bad. I can fuck with this. Yeah. When you set it before and try to shoehorn these fucking connections it's like just do new shit if you go to avp galaxy's fantastic uh, archives you can find pre-production art for aliens colonial marines when it was set on other planets it was a sandbox (sighs) game there's amazing it was a sandbox game yeah Yeah. um there are there's (laughs) images of uh, fucking waste future cities that are super run down and have a a, a colonial marine presence in them and i'm just i'm it's, it was new. It was brand new ideas. It was, it looked more in keeping and it expanded the world. Yeah. Now go back to where we've already been, show us what we've already seen and get every detail wrong. <laughs> get everything wrong. But if a lot of the art you're talking about came from the other game that was pitched because there was a sandbox idea that was uh, separate from what this ended up being. They were both the Colonial Marines game, but they were very different from each other. And what I think you see as soon as they went down the FPS route, which made a lot of sense commercially at the time, it became this reductive thing of like, give people the easiest, just give, get them into a place where they can shoot other people and other creatures as quickly as possible. And that's why you have the, the derelict with a fucking research station right outside of it. Like just these, it's just, it just feels like it's just ludicrous, right? It's things that we've seen before, but done worse. Like you're, like you're saying, um, I know we're going to kind of come to a, come to a wrap here and I want to hand it over to Jamie. Cause uh, I, I know he's been kind of in, uh, in listening mode a little bit tonight just because he hasn't played the game. Which I, I hope I hope has not been too boring, but I, I think I think it's been a really good conversation. Yeah, I, I, I think, think so too. Uh, I, I it's interesting to be in this position that I'm in, someone who's a crazy alien fan, to to hear about this project, video game, this world that I have no knowledge of essentially. So it's been really like watching the gameplay footage and or the cutscenes, I suppose they are, and there's a little bit of gameplay footage in there as well, and hearing. Michael Bean is Hicks again. It's very, very interesting. Uh, so I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. So I hope everyone else has as well. So there's going to be plenty more. Thank you, Dave Gogol, for coming on the show. It's been way too long. Yes. You can come yes. back again. This is the first time that I have talking about anything aliens on a podcast since I closed down mine. Um, so this is very, it's definitely enjoyable to talk about it again. Now that I'm not doing it all the time in the pressure release episodes this was quite enjoyable um you know i have a horror podcast now which really is no one's listening to but um it's fun to record it's a mouth of madness horror cast it's pretty much everywhere spotify uh, podbean apple music i think i don't know it's we're still figuring it out it's a good time um a huge What's horror nerd website? So, uh, we don't have a website yet we just oh okay i do every, yeah everything's mm-hmm. um we just have the facebook page and um the group 
and the podcast. That's it. Can you say the name one more time? Mouths of Madness Horrorcast. Okay. Awesome. awesome. You yeah. you have to get the name through the Long Island accent is the problem. It's it's yeah. it's the, the hey. mouths of man is podcast. <laughs> is the, the mouths of man is podcast. Because the Lovecraft will be here. Right? Lovecraft yeah. in my brain is saying mountains of madness. Yeah. Mountains yeah. of mouths. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I like that. It's a play off that. That's great. Well, that's a reference yeah. to the film, I'm assuming, right, Dave? In, uh, in the Mouth of no? Madness. Yes. Yeah. One of my yeah. all-time favorite. I love That's a that fucking movie. weird that movie. A very weird that movie. Is, that is a one. weird movie, yeah. but a fun one. Yeah. It it's been really nice having you back on, man. Dave, Dave as everybody yes. knows, is a huge part of the history of Perfect Organism. Yes. For yes. many years. Yes. And is just one of our you know best friends and a great dude. Which, too. by the way, Dave, there's an alien behind you. And Patrick, it's going to come out going to a a bunch behind Patrick, so just be careful. (laughs) (laughs) It's been fun. I'm looking forward to doing more of these Hive episodes. Yeah, yeah, me too. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, guys. Anytime you want me, just shoot me a text. I'm always looking to join because now I have no outlet to talk aliens on a podcast. So, you ever need some insane New Yorker, you know where I'm at. All right, (laughs) thanks, man. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Take care, guys. Thanks again for having me.